It is my privilege to introduce Whitworth's 18th president, Dr. Beck A. Taylor, who will be delivering today's convocation address. Beck is an energetic and aspirational leader. Under Beck's leadership, Whitworth has become more visible as a national Christian university and as a shaper of the culture of the inland Northwest. Under his leadership, the university created the College of Arts and Sciences, expanded and strengthened graduate education, built and improved campus facilities, renewed its emphasis on community engagement, and created new endowed faculty positions and centers. Beck has shaped higher education beyond Whitworth through his service on several regional and national boards, including the Association of Presbyterian Colleges and Universities, and as president of the American Association of Presidents of Independent Colleges and Universities. Those who know Beck Taylor also understand that he's more than Whitworth's chief executive. He's a committed Christian academic who believes that ideas matter. Dr. Taylor's most recent publication is a chapter in the book called Campus Life in Search of Community. The title of that chapter is fitting indeed for an essay by the president of Whitworth University. The essay is entitled, Walking the Narrow Ridge of Christian Calling and Academic Excellence. I appreciate Beck's sharp mind, his compassion, and his prayerfulness. Since coming to Whitworth, Beck and his wife Julie and their family have woven themselves into the fabric of Whitworth. Beck and Julie are also excited to be Whitworth's parents. Please join me in welcoming Whitworth's 18th president, Dr. Beck Taylor. Well, good morning, Whitworth. What a great day to celebrate the beginning of our 130th academic year. Thank you for being here this morning. Dr. Simon, thank you for that generous introduction. Uh, many of us know that last spring, Dr. Simon announced that after this academic year, she would be retiring from the position of provost and executive vice president. We're grateful to have one more year with her leadership, but I know you want to join me right now in thanking Dr. Simon for so many years of faithful service to Whitworth University. Thank you. Others I'd want to thank are Dr. Fred Johnson, who so ably carried in the Quasquicentennial Pinecone today, and uh, we're grateful for his leadership. Uh, as our faculty president. Um, I too want to acknowledge our new students. In fact, I'm going to give you a little exercise this morning. If you are a new student, if you're a first-year student, a transfer student, perhaps you're a new continuing studies student or a new graduate student, would you please rise to your feet and let us welcome you warmly? Thank you. And now I'd like to recognize returning students. If you're a returning student of any stripe and you are here voluntarily this morning <laughs> to enjoy convocation, we want to applaud you as well. So returning students, please rise. We'll applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. Seated before you students, of course, are our fantastic faculty, all gussied up for the day. 
We're so grateful for them, for their leadership, for their dedication to mind and heart education. And also around us are our dedicated staff members as well. They see themselves additionally as part of the educational mission here. So students, would you give your faculty members and our staff members a round of applause this morning? Thank you. Also leading our processional this morning are two faithful members of our University Board of Trustees, Scott Chandler, Whitworth Class of 1985, and Shelley O'Quinn, Whitworth Class of 1997, represent nearly 40 faithful women and men who give leadership and governance to our institution. Let's thank them as well. Scott and Shelley, would you please rise and let us thank you for your service. Thank you. And I see so many other guests that we have here today. We want to welcome you, but I specifically want to welcome my predecessor, the 17th president of Whitworth University, President Emeritus Bill Robinson, and his wife, Bonnie, are here as well. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Welcome. Well, I love everything there is about the beginning of the academic year. I even love getting dressed up. I love the bagpipes. I love the spirit and enthusiasm. For most of us, the upcoming year holds so much promise, so much opportunity. The sky is the limit. New years are about new beginnings, opportunities to bury regrets, to overcome failures, to try something new, to find our best selves. Everyone has an A, by the way, to start the semester. <laughs> the followers of Jesus, whom we find at the beginning of the book of Acts, are experiencing many of those same feelings. The resurrected Jesus has just left them, but with a commission, a commission to go and redeem and reconcile the world for his sake. And after Christ went with, to be with the Father in heaven, he sent his Spirit upon the disciples, enabling them to embody the gospel. The text tells us that the disciples and other followers of Christ were overjoyed to travel the countryside and even to enter the gates of the temple in Jerusalem, performing miracles and changing lives. The followers of Jesus were selling their possessions. They were living in community and caring for the needy. Luke tells us that their hearts were overflowing with gladness, filled with goodwill, and generosity, and that people were joining the movement in healthy numbers. So, kind of like the beginning of the academic year, there was promise, there was newness, there was anticipation and excitement about what would come next. And just like you, our new students here at Whitworth who join us today, new followers of Jesus were being added to the community, and that energized everyone as it does us. The Jesus movement, just like our academic year, was off to a great start. Well, in those exciting days after Pentecost, we find in our story today two of Jesus' disciples in the temple. Rohini read that story for us. Perhaps Peter and John had made a habit of going there together to minister and to proclaim the good news. 
It was not uncommon, of course, to find beggars at the temple gates. You see, the temple was like a town square. Not only was it a place to worship for the Jewish people, the temple's outer courts were alive with conversations, gossip, news of the day. Men and women could gather and talk about all of the day's happenings. So beggars were wise to position themselves near the gates to collect alms from those who would pass by. So that day, as Peter and John entered the temple, they find a man there, we're told, who was lame from birth. Now, from that little tidbit of information that we're given, it's quite easy to assume that this man has been literally begging for his life for many years. He was very likely someone that people recognized because he had positioned himself there at the beautiful gate in the temple for years, perhaps even since childhood. People would pass him regularly, and every once in a while, someone would drop a small coin or a scrap of food in his sack. This is a scene that we are familiar with in modern times. We see it at the corner of Hawthorne Road and Division Street every day. We see it in our downtown alleyways and even in our neighborhoods. Small transactions keep these people alive. A dollar here, a McDonald's sandwich there. Their stories are largely unknown to us, but occasionally we feel compelled to stop what we're doing and to drop a lifeline into their cup. Some are even recognizable to us because we see them so regularly. So as our story goes, it would have been expected that Peter and John would have entered into that same transaction that so many that day had already completed, a coin or two. And that's that. Alms given, conscious cleared. But as we heard, the story takes a dramatic turn. The opportunity for a simple transaction became a life-changing transformation in this man's life. This summer, I traveled to Bangkok, Thailand to host an alumni event there. More than 50 people joined me for a riverboat cruise that evening, including an incoming student who is somewhere in the auditorium today. During that trip, I visited with a man named Spain Jinkokatjai. Spain and his sister grew up in Bangkok, and they were young middle schoolers when they lost their parents in a terrible automobile accident. They were orphaned. Lives of promise became lives of vulnerability and desperation. After being moved from one children's home to another, their path crossed with an American Presbyterian missionary named Bill Yoder. Bill had a small ministry in Chiang Mai, and he had taken it upon himself to regularly visit these Bangkok orphanages and to attend the children's, to the children's various needs, collecting blankets, clothing, and other necessities, and delivering those things to the children. It was on one of those regular routine trips that Bill Yoder met Spain and his younger sister. 
Little did the three of them know that their meeting would also culminate in an unlikely story, and ultimately a transformative one. I think of you students who are here this morning. You are engaged in a great exchange with Whitworth University, a worthy transaction, I might say. You and your families are paying for an expensive education. Tuition bills are being paid. And in exchange, you now have access to a world of knowledge, a nurturing community, opportunities to learn from world-class scholars, and the hope of earning a Whitworth degree, a degree that will no doubt open doors and catapult you to the next rung of socioeconomic security. It's your ticket to a life of independence, professional pursuits, and career aspirations. And friends, your ticket is about to get punched. It's one of the best decisions I think you've made already in your young lives. Back to Peter and John and the disabled man in the temple. As we're told in the story, the disciples aren't content with making a simple exchange with the beggar. They are not concerned with an expedient transaction. They see an opportunity to change a life. It would have been so easy for Peter and John to have simply dropped a coin and moved on. Rather, they chose to have an intimate encounter, and they do something radical. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're told that Peter and John heal this lame man. There's that old saying that if you want to feed someone for a day, give them a fish. But if you want to feed someone for a lifetime, teach them how to fish. In this case, the disciples heal this man. They teach him how to walk. It is hard to overstate how transformative this would have been in this man's life. No longer would he have to depend on others for his well-being. No longer would he have to endure the indignity of begging at the temple gate. No longer would he have to hear about all of the reasons why God had cursed him and made him an outcast. In an instant, his life was transformed. Luke tells us that the man ran around the temple, leaping and praising God. It was a miracle. It was a testament to the power of Christ. It was a powerful metaphor for what Jesus wants to do in our own lives and in the lives of our community. So as my new friend in Bangkok told me his story, his eyes welled up with tears. By the prodding of the Holy Spirit, Bill Yoder, this American missionary, decided to take Spain and his sister into his home. Days became weeks, and weeks became months, and before anyone realized it, Spain and his sister had become a part of the Yoder household. Lives were transformed. That hope and promise that every child deserves those things were restored. Years passed, and when it came time for Spain to graduate from high school, 
a confluence of mutual connections and relationships between Bill Yoder and other Presbyterian pastors here in the United States led Spain to study, you guessed it, right here at Whitworth University. The transformation that began as a young child continued as Spain entered his new life in Spokane as a Whitworthian. Faculty and staff poured their lives into him. He received a great education, and he grew in his faith. Fast forward another 25 years. Spain is now an executive in Bangkok, working for a division of a global finance corporation. He loves Jesus. He loves Whitworth. And he combines his work and faith to change the lives there in Bangkok. Spain will be here in October, and I hope that some of you have the opportunity to meet him. But as I concluded my talk with Spain, there in a hot church that we had stumbled on, and we were sitting in one of the pews there, and he was telling me the story, as we finished our conversation, Spain spoke so passionately about the miracles in his life that led him here to Whitworth. He is so appreciative of the education that he received. His ticket got punched. His Whitworth degree allowed him to work in high finance here in the United States for many years before taking charge of the impressive Thai operation that he leads now. But Spain's years at Whitworth did far more than serve as a stepping stone to a successful career. Listening to Spain, I could tell that he was grateful for so much more. Through the relationships he built with his faculty and staff mentors and with his fellow students, Spain became a man of deeper faith, a man of integrity, someone who understands the world and his place in it. His Whitworth degree may have secured him his first job, but his Whitworth community shaped his life and continues to do so. Sure, Spain learned how to evaluate a financial project. He learned how to calculate return on investment. He learned how to read a balance sheet. These are all important skills for an aspiring financier. But for Spain, his time at Whitworth was about so much more than that. Spain's life was transformed, first by Bill Yoder, and then by the Whitworth community. And like the lame man in the temple who was healed, Spain practically leaps for joy when he tells his story, and he gives praise to God in the process. Students, you have a choice in my opinion. You can view your time here at Whitworth as a simple transaction. You pay tuition, we give you credits and a degree. Ticket punched. Or you can take advantage of all that this place has to offer you. Experiences and relationships that will last a lifetime. In addition to your degree, this place wants to give you so much more. We want you to discover more about yourself, more about others and the world around you. We want you to form deep relationships with one another, with your faculty and staff members who are eager 
to pour their lives into your lives. We want you to ask the big questions of life. We want you to ask big questions about God, about faith, about how you fit into the ways in which God is working in the world. We want you to become agents of love and peace and justice and change in our world. Do we want you to earn a paycheck? Of course we do. Do we want you to reach for and succeed in your career aspirations? Absolutely, we want those things for you. It's through those same careers that God can and will use you for exactly the things I'm talking about. But I know that I speak for these faculty members. And I know I speak for the staff members who are surrounding you today. When I say that we want to do more than complete a transaction here at Whitworth, we're eager to give you far more than a coin that will get you a little farther down the road. We want to help you unlock, unlock transformative education, one that's at your fingertips, friends, and one that can and will shape the rest of your lives. May God bless all of you this semester. Thank you.